Welcome to the Winning with Shopify podcast. This is the podcast to help you scale your Shopify store into a money-making machine. How many of you are making data-driven decisions on Shopify? Today's partner, Cinder, can relieve you from manual data entry and automatically generate an accurate P&L report, balance sheets, and inventory management for your business needs. Use coupon code EASYBOOKS for up to 40% off from the start and check out the Cinder Actionable Business Checklist for your success in the podcast description. Your host is Nick Truman. He's a Shopify expert and the CEO of JustAskParker.com, a global specialist marketing agency for Shopify owners. Nick will be sharing his knowledge and interviewing the experts to help you thrive and build a business that makes you money. For exclusive offers, bonus content, and weekly episode reminders, join our mailing list at winningwithshopify.com. Now, sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Here's your host, Nick Truman. Hi, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Winning with Shopify podcast. Today, as you've probably seen in the title, we've got a nice little mini episode, a very short one. Byron and I were looking at guests and topics to be talking about today, and we couldn't decide on one. And then the ones we did want, we couldn't get the guests lined up quickly enough. But we've been wanting for quite a while to do an FAQ episode. So today, Byron and I are going to be going through some of these quick fire questions. Byron is joining us. If you've not spoken to Byron before, he's part of the Parker team. Byron, welcome back to the podcast. Hey, Nick. Thanks for having me on. It's good to be back on. Awesome. Awesome. And we said it's going to be a mini episode. It's going to be a quick fire episode and a very short one. So, Byron and I, we're going to dive straight in. So let's go through some of your FAQs, frequently asked questions. Um, we'll try and signpost you to other episodes if we can, or to any resources that might help on this as well. So we're going to start with what I think is probably one of the biggest topics that has happened in the last year with Shopify stores. And that's around iOS is killing my ROI. What do I do? And these are the iOS updates that Apple's rolled out, which means you can't track Facebook as well. Byron, where should we start on this one? Yeah, it's interesting. Really, really interesting. I think for the first time in quite a few years, the landscape has changed with this new update. So I think people are having to think kind of outside the box. And I think for the last few years, people have saw Instagram ads and Facebook ads as a bit of a silver bullet. And if you can nail your advertising on those platforms, then you're going to make a multi-million pound brand. But obviously with this new update and also the increase in demand in Facebook and Instagram ads, I think a lot of people are almost having to think differently. And, you know, I think it's important now more than ever to really think about other marketing channels as well as Facebook and Instagram marketing. So I think something that is extremely underrated and not often talked about is email marketing lists. I think almost building that email marketing list is ridiculously important because like we've seen with this iOS update, you know, things can change and it's important to diversify your customer base. That's my thoughts. What about you, Nick? Yeah, so I'm going to come at it a completely different angle to you, Byron. I, I completely agree that, and we'll, we'll probably come on to this a bit later as well, that you can't be too reliant on your store on a single channel. We have clients in, in my agency where we have PPC running and it's driving like 80, 85% of traffic to the site and it's driving sort of 60, 70% of revenue as well across the board. It's really unhealthy. We had a client like that not so long ago where their Google feed got disapproved for a week mm -hmm. and sales on the site dropped by about 90% from all channels. So I completely agree with you, Byron. I think it's really important. And um, on iOS, all is not lost with the iOS update. 
what I would highly recommend, and you've mentioned email already, is if you can plug in more data into Facebook, into Facebook Business Manager, there are ways to get around the iOS updates. You can still feed the information of who's buying what, obviously via Facebook Pixel, but you can also start feeding things like if you were to connect Facebook Business Manager to your Google Shopping feed, you're giving it more information, better ads, and it can actually serve products onto Facebook. It's going to improve your ads. The other data you can feed in is customer data. So we have quite a few clients that have very successful Facebook campaigns. And what we've done is uploaded an actual customer database, literally like an export from email and import into Facebook Business Manager. Just be really careful with GDPR rules. That's your customer's data. It's incredibly, I mean, I would say it's priceless um, customer data. So make sure you're following GDPR rules or whatever the rules in your country are as you move that data and how you store and and transfer that data across. But we've got we've got plenty of clients that where we've imported customer data or we've connected uh, Facebook Business Manager right the way across to their actual email platform or even to Shopify. So then email addresses, IP addresses, and all the other stuff, we don't touch any of that specifically. So then we're kind of GDPR tick, but all that data is fed automatically into Facebook. Because Facebook then can go, right, we're seeing Joe Blogs, whose email is joe.blogs at gmail.com. We're seeing them on the site quite a lot and they haven't bought anything. Your Facebook lookalike and, and smart campaigns will then start to use that machine learning, that AI, and start targeting that person. So in the absence of the iOS data that used to be there, why not focus on Android because that's still got the same data? And also try and plug as much data in there as you can. So... Anyway, that's enough on iOS. It's a very boring but incredibly crucial topic. Um, Byron, what we do next? What's the next one? So one that we often get asked, uh, or I often get asked, is about Facebook and Instagram advertising. So I know this is obviously very similar to kind of what we've just discussed with the iOS update. I think a lot of a lot of businesses come to us and ask if we can just run their ads for them on social media channels. And I think like it's important to kind of take one step back, take two steps forward in this case, just purely because maybe there's a possibility that Facebook and Instagram advertising isn't necessarily the best option for all businesses. So it really depends on obviously the the business itself and where your target customer is spending their time. But you know, we do often get asked the question, you know, how do I make millions on Facebook ads? I've been running Facebook ads for the last like month now. I've been I've spent, you know, a thousand dollars and I still haven't made a single sale. And I hear that more than I'd like to, if I'm honest. <laughs> so, you know, it's yeah, I think I think it's in- incredibly important to think about the overall marketing strategy before diving in on Facebook ads. I know it can be mm. extremely tempting. Facebook make it extremely easy, especially with like the boost button and things like that. But I think it's important to really think about who your target audience is, where they're spending their time and, you know, what buying habits they have. Like, do they typically buy on Facebook and Instagram or is that just going to be more of a brand awareness campaign? If that's more of a brand awareness campaign, then great, but don't expect a return on it and ensure that you're doing other things to make sure that you are closing and you are getting those sales through other channels. Mm. But yeah, that that's my initial thoughts. What about you, Nick? Yeah, no, I completely agree. I think Facebook isn't for everybody. I also think that when you hear these glory stories, as I call them, um, I love a good glory story. I actually just made that up. So feel free to use that and and mention me (laughs) in passing. (laughs) Yeah, I hear a lot of stories of like, you know, people that are making 15 to 1, 20 to 1 on Facebook ads. The companies are few and far between. The reason you hear about them a lot is because they're the ones at the the center of the news articles and the ones that want to be analyzed because things are going so well. It's like, you know, not every soccer or football team can be as good as uh, as good as Chelsea and Man United. But I think 
with Facebook ads, the first thing you've got to do, which is actually another question that's on our list around ROI, return on investment. With Facebook, you just have to be really realistic as to how much money do you have to make in terms of how many dollars do you need to make in revenue per dollar that you spend to make a profit from it. Because mm-hmm. you can feed that information into Facebook ads and also into Google Shopping and see what the system can do for you. But going back to my last point about data, it, it really is a, it, it's a chicken and egg scenario you need to, when you first start a store, you need to drive enough traffic and revenue through the store, almost sort of by any means, to get some data. And then you use that data to find more through the Facebook ads, through Google ads, etc. So it is definitely possible to make millions from Facebook ads. But you've got to be really careful about getting enough data to put into the system so the campaigns can do their thing. Mm. The other things I would come back to, which you're probably going to hear this a lot on this episode, and we say this a lot all the time, is the customers who have good products, just products that people want, products that you want to buy, that, you know, that pair of shoes. I mean, I've just ordered a third pair of shoes from the same company because I like them. You know, yeah. the, the first pair were great. They didn't email me. They didn't retarget to me. I haven't seen any ads in a while. I just look at those shoes and going, they're getting a bit old. I'm going to go and get another pair. So good product always gets repeat orders. And the better the product, the easier it is to sell that first time. So I would always focus on coupling the kind of micro targeting things of like, let's try this campaign. Let's use this audience and blah, blah, blah. I would target, I would couple all of that with, do we actually have a good offering? Is it clear what you're buying from us? Is it clear where the value of our product is? And then when it comes to Facebook, do I need to make a video? Do I need some images, et cetera, et cetera? And you start to piece together then that, that sort of puzzle to go, we've got a good product, good USP on the site, good offering. And then as a result, we've got good ads and people want to buy our stuff. Yeah, completely agree with that. I think when it comes to building up a marketing strategy, it's important to think about, do you have a business that is selling a product or more a uh, business that's selling a brand? And what I mean by that is like essentially Nike, you know, they, they sell shoes, but a lot of their shoes aren't actually that different to a lot of other competitor shoes. But yeah. people will go and buy from Nike time and time and time again because of how Nike makes them feel. You know, they've spent millions and millions in their marketing to build a brand that represents empowerment, that represents positivity, diversity. And so when you think of Nike, you know, a lot of the times you'll think of high quality, you'll think of winning, you know, you'll think of Mm. all these positive things because they built a campaign to do that. And they've made sure that their ambassadors represent that. So whereas say you're selling something I don't know, maybe like a a little product for a house that will make your day-to-day life easier. Maybe it's less about building the brand, but more about marketing the product. In which case, you'll probably see a much better return on like your Facebook and Instagram ads because it's solving a direct need. You know, so you can create those ads, you can target people with that need and you'll probably see quite a good return. Whereas if you're, for example, starting a clothing brand, you need to really develop the the messaging and develop the brand as to what that stands for. And therefore, it, it might take a little bit longer to see a return, especially through Facebook and Instagram ads. Yeah, definitely. definitely. I've forgotten the, the person's name. So I'm so sorry if you are listening to this, but we had a guest on <laughs> within the last few months who said that they did a focus group and the customers that actually turned up, mm-hmm. just going off what you were saying, Byron, about the um, who your customer actually is, the customers that turned up to their focus group were all about 20 years older and from completely different walks of life, different job titles to what they were expecting. 
So was that focus group useful? Yes, of course it was. But again, it was just it was just so interesting to then find out and actually meet their customers face to face. We had another scenario that I heard of years ago at a conference I attended, where the owner of a Shopify store said, um, you know, he said he, he started delivering products for a week, meeting customers, and then at the door saying, "I'm the CEO." You know, I'd love to know what uh, what you guys think. But yeah, really interesting just to just to get that information and then all their marketing changed as a result. All the images weren't of people in their 20s. Now it's people in their 40s because mm-hmm. that was, you know, that was more on on brand, on point, on target for those guys. So. Completely, completely. Mm. I think knowing your customers is unbelievably important. I think, you know, it's something that I think gets overlooked a lot by a lot of businesses. Another option you could do is why, if you think you've got a younger demographic, why not email your customers saying we're running a selfie competition? If you get a selfie with the most uh, blue items in shot with our product, you win a prize. You know, you can obviously check the rules behind what promotions and competitions you can run in your country. But yeah, absolutely. Why don't you run something to get a selfie of your customers? And you can look at them and go, wow, our customers are not who we thought they were at all. Mm. And again, changing the imagery, changing the use cases uh, for your product to say this can be used for X, Y, Z. I think it's really important. Absolutely. Cool. Right, next one. Shopify theme. What's the best Shopify theme? And I've had this question at least three times this year, and it's only, you know, we're recording this right at the start of Feb. I've had this at least three or four times. What's the best Shopify theme? Um, there isn't one, is the, is the, the, the sort of uh, direct blanket answer. There isn't a best theme. There are bad themes. I would certainly support that. <laughs> Some that just don't work. They, you know, got terrible page speed or the UX is definitely bad. And you can see that from looking at it and then subsequently looking at the data on Google Analytics and Hotjar to see what people are doing. But Shopify theme, I think, we're going to sound quite holistic on this, I'm afraid, but you've always got to take a step back from what's the best theme, what theme should I have? Take a step back and have a real think about what message are we trying to get across and what is the user experience we want to deliver and then go shopping for themes for Shopify. The other question we kind of get a lot, which would be a sub-question of this, is when should I just put my own theme in and run with it? When should I get a developer involved? And I genuinely think that comes down to the financials. I think if you're making enough profit on your profit and loss reports and check out our, our sponsor who started today, Cinder, check those guys out because they can create profit and loss r- reports nice and easily out of Shopify for you. Have a look at that and then decide because there's no point embarking on, you know, five grand a month, you know, $5,000 a month retainer with a web agency to only then find that your entire store revenue is 8000 a month. So you're definitely making a loss when you look at those two things. So what you'll probably want to do is in the earlier stages, do most of the dev stuff yourself. So finding a theme that's got everything you need in it is great. Definitely, definitely with Shopify themes, if only get one if it's got a demo and the demo is good and it does what you envisage your business looking like and your business doing. So be careful with themes. And what you might want to do is in the first instance, do it all yourself. And then as things develop and you've got a bit more funding, a bit more budget to put behind the actual store and what it looks like and how it works, you could then get a developer to do odd bits and pieces for you that you drive them to do. Then the next phase, you could ask somebody to come and do a bit of a graphic design, you know, sort of refresh, review, have a look at your brand, etc. And then pass that to your developer. And then you might want to get your first small agency and then get bigger agencies as you start to grow. Because this isn't just as well about who's going to do what. And if you pay the most, you get the most. This is also about time. And your time is precious. So in the early days, you probably don't have as many orders going through. So you've got time to be playing with themes. Once you've got 150 staff and you've got 1,000 or 2,000 orders a day, you should not be sitting there playing on Shopify themes. You should have an expert agency doing that with a very clearly defined brand, et cetera, et cetera. So it's obvious 
what needs to happen and get some real sort of top level industry insights from an agency. And um, what are your thoughts, Byron? Because you head up some of the uh, Parker projects where we're doing work on Shopify themes and building new stores. Yeah, absolutely. I think the biggest thing I see with clients and small businesses that I talk to, obviously, when when just starting out, you don't necessarily have big budgets to spend on a web agency and things like that. So a lot of people do build the sites themselves, which is absolutely fine. I think above all else, it's just important to make sure when building these stores that the theme is able to represent your brand well, but most importantly, the functionality of it. So just making sure like it is easy to use for your business. You know, if you're Mm. selling one item, your store is going to look completely different to if you're stocking 100 items, for example. So I think it's just worth bearing that in mind when building your store so that you can focus on that. Cool. Love it. Right. We'll try and bring this into land in a sec because we did say it's going to be a very short episode today. Let's do some quick fire ones then. So Byron, quick fire. How do I make a marketing strategy for my Shopify store? Think about who your target customer is, where they spend their time, and then build it around that. Don't listen to what your, you know, your mate Dave at the pub said about Facebook ads or about TikTok or whatever. Just think about who your target audience really is. Go and speak to them if you have to, like go and conduct some research like that brand did, you know, by holding a focus group, you'll, you'll learn so much from doing that. And then essentially just construct a strategy around that. So for example, if you're typically you're selling a product or a service where people are Googling, you know, that item a lot, then it makes sense to double down on SEO and PPC. If you're running a clothing brand that no one's ever heard of before, it would probably make sense to actually double down on brand ambassadors and really doubling down on influencer marketing and the more the social media side of things. So it really does just depend on the, on the business. Definitely. Love that. I'll, I'll take the next one then. So the next one is data confuses me. Where do I start? Some people, you might tune out when I say this, I'm going to be really blunt. If you don't understand numbers, running a Shopify business is not for you, I'm afraid, but all is not lost as well, just before you do click that end podcast button. There are so many good resources these days and free resources to start learning about things like finances to do with business. There are loads of free accountancy courses online. There are endless, I I learn most things at the moment about all subjects, not just finance and numbers. I learn most things about most subjects watching free YouTube videos at the moment. We're running about seven different tests on Google ads based on things I've watched on a YouTube video, learned from a YouTube video, and that's all been completely free. So numbers are so important. The top two numbers you need to know at all times and you need in a real-time live dashboard is how much money you're spending across the whole business, i.e. what is your budget, like how much is Shopify costing, how much is your salary, how much do products cost, et cetera, et cetera. And then you also need the second figure, which is then a total of all of the revenue we've made, sales. And you want that split by new customers, existing customers. And then you want both of those split again by the marketing channel that they came through. So you want SEO, PPC, email, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So if you're going to run a Shopify store, get all of that set up, even while the numbers say zero, or you might wait till you've got a couple of months worth of traction, but you need those numbers at your fingertips all the time, because then you can make proper smart decisions based on this campaign's making money we'll put more money behind that this one's not making any money we'll stop that or actually let's keep it running for another week and we'll try and optimize it and get people to buy etc and then as you start to play with new products new marketing campaigns etc you'll then start to find what makes those things tick that's all i'm going to say on data today so byron next question then my shopping feed is disapproved. Uh, do you want me to take this one or do you want to, do you want to give a bit of insight to it? Probably, probably you're, the, you're the, more the expert <laughs> in this one, for sure. 
Sorry, I'm just reading them in order. Yeah, so shopping feeds disapproved. Best thing to do if your shopping feed is disapproved between your store and Google Ads, it'll be on Google Merchant Center is where you'll see that. Click on the little question mark at the top right and get on the help center or have a look at a disapproved product. And there should be some reasons why that's disapproved. But yeah, Google have live chat and they won't mind me saying this. Get yourself onto live chat with Google and find out what is causing the problems. They are really, really helpful in terms of telling you what's wrong. They're useless at helping you fix it. So they'll tell you what's wrong and then you can jump on a forum or ask an expert or try and have a play yourself to try and resolve that problem. Give an example of one the other day is we've got a, a client at Parker who's selling wedding dresses. So if you're listening now, hello, thanks for being a customer. <laughs> but when we set your feed up the other day, the colour part of the feed we put in as because they're wedding dresses we put as seen on screen or as seen in in picture and of course google came back and said no you can't do that and we didn't want to put white because they're not all white so we ended up just leaving the color field blank which is absolutely fine because they're not a set color it's not like anyone's going to look for any other color of wedding dress right quick fire ones byron we've got four more uh, we might not get through all four we'll see uh, see what the clock's saying why don't my customers buy more than once so this could be for a variety of different reasons i think it could either be like what you were saying earlier about the product so if someone receives the item and it's not really what they were hoping for or whatever it may be then they probably then wouldn't purchase from you again it may be just a case that actually you're not maybe staying in the forefront of their minds. So maybe you're not sending them marketing e emails and updating them on new products and things like that. It may be a case that you you sold them a t-shirt and now they have that t-shirt. They don't think about buying the same t-shirt again, but it's not to say that you couldn't market different items and different products to them again. So I think it's always worth bearing that in mind and thinking about what your customers' buying habits are, what items you're selling and what their experiences were with you. And never be afraid to ask for feedback as well. Never be afraid to reach out to that customer, ask them how their buying experience was with you and any feedback that they would give for future purchases. Amazing. Yeah, completely agree. And I think the only thing I would add as well is um, check out our series we did with Yopo recently um, back in December because we were talking about the Yopo loyalty program. So I think the argument being give them a reason to buy again. So it could be loyalty programs, discounts, early access to specific ranges. Again, like you said, Byron, just, just really good products they want to buy a second time. How can I target new countries and territories? So Shopify is pretty good allowing you to add currencies and locations. So you could say I'm a US-based Shopify store and the classic next place people in the US want to sell is Canada or vice versa. A lot of Canadian companies, you branch out into US because you know share an enormous border, one of the biggest borders in the world, which means there's loads of goods going back and forth. So it's quite an easy place to physically get the products to. Um, there are lots of plugins on Shopify, and I tell everyone to be very, very wary of how they work. One specific reason for that is Google Shopping. So on Google Shopping, to send somebody to a product on a Canadian website that's for the US audience and in US dollars, you need a URL that is specific to US dollars in the US, and you need a different URL for that same product for Canada with Canadian dollars. So make sure whatever app you use to change the currency, the targeting, the country, etc. Make sure it gives you that different URL. Otherwise, Google Shopping feeds are going to be a nightmare for you. So yeah, be really, really careful with that one. And then last one to, to jump onto then, Byron, one for you, I think. What's a good return on investment from shopping or from Facebook? 
I think it really depends on the margins, doesn't it? There's no such thing really as, as good. I think it really depends on the business, depends on how much that item has been marked up and what the profit margins are. That will determine what a good return on investment is. And it also depends on the overall marketing strategy as well in terms of, you know, are you running those sets of ads just to build awareness? And then you're going to be retargeting those audiences with different ads later on with a much better conversion rate. You know, there are a few variations and a few things that depend on that. Yeah, I, I completely agree. It comes back to ROI. So what's a good ROI? It's the one that makes you money. We sometimes with our B2B clients get asked, what's a good sales strategy? And it's, it's the one that makes you money. So keep testing and playing with stuff. But yeah, you might want to set one average ROI and say every dollar we spend, we need three back. You might also want to go a bit more granular and say, okay, this 50% of our product range, we make, um, we need to be selling them at five to one. It's got quite a tight margin of 20%. Um, again, numbers, so important. And then you can say the other half of our product range, actually we need to sell at this range. So um, yeah, it completely depends what your ROI is, I think. But cool, we're going to wrap things up there. We said it's going to be a nice short episode. Keep sending your questions in, winningwithshopify.com. We've got some very, very exciting things coming up. Byron, you've been incredibly busy with guests, haven't you? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we've got some amazing guests lined up in the next few weeks. So I'm excited to have them on. Brilliant. So yeah, thanks so much for listening today. It's great to have you with us. Keep sending those questions in. We're going to try and do these every few months. So we'll try and pick up as many as we can. And any questions you send in regularly... From now on, we will shout you out if you mention your store on your question as well. So send us a question where your store is and your name. We'll shout you out on the podcast if it's relevant to any of our guests. And if not, we'll wait until we reach the next Q&A FAQ podcast. Um, but thanks so much for listening. Back again next week. And we hope you're all staying well. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. You can subscribe to our weekly newsletter for exclusive offers at winningwithshopify.com. And don't forget to check out our Facebook group by searching for Winning with Shopify on Facebook. Over and out.